to jump right into it, amen, and talk about Christian parenting today. If you would open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, amen. A lot of material. We got at least a dozen scriptures. I love scriptures. I, I always tell people, if you don't have at least 10 to 12 scriptures in your Bible study or in your sermon, you need to go back and add more. Because people want to hear the word. They don't want to hear me. They want to hear God's word. Because God's word is what changes. God's word is what transforms and enlightens individuals. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. And if you're on social media right now, amen, on Facebook, we want to ask, amen, that you be the church outside of the walls and share your page. Don't start no watch parties. Share your page. Share the page. Share it, share it, share it, share it, share it. Amen. Somebody said, pastor said, you know, pastor, people don't want to do it the old-fashioned way and knock on doors. So we're giving them social media. If they don't do it through social media, then we're going to have to shut down the social media and go back to the old-fashioned knocking on the doors. People are going to share it fast right now. Watch. We're going to have about 50 shares right now, honey. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And the Bible reads like this. Amen. We also... I, I know I keep getting sidetracked today. I'm excited. Amen. I know we got people from California watching right now. We got people from El Paso, Texas watching. Amen. I pray that this word blesses you tonight. Amen. The Bible says this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise. And the promise is this, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Amen. Tonight I want to teach just for a little bit on the topic of Christian parenting. Amen. Father, we love you and we appreciate you, Lord. Once again, we ask for your anointing upon every heart and every ear in this place and those that are online, Father. Help us to be better parents, Lord Jesus. Equip us, empower us, Lord Jesus. We will give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's get started. Amen. I want to share some uh, key biblical principles, amen, uh, for for raising your children, amen, raising our children, amen, we uh, still have uh, one more child in our house, amen, that we are rearing, amen, uh, uh, he has uh, just graduated from middle school, and amen, he's on his way to high school, amen, and so um, uh, uh, we want to uh, just let everybody know that we're not done, and, and you know, as parents, we're never done, amen, even after they leave the house, we're still parents, Amen. Uh, they still come to us when they need us. Amen. Uh, they still raid our pantry. Amen. 
They still take our food from the refrigerator. Amen. They still make us pay at the restaurant. Amen. But it is our pleasure. Amen. We love to do it. There are kids. And as long as we have breath, we will continue to do it. Amen. But nevertheless, amen, we're still rearing a child. And so I want to just throw a quick disclaimer out there and let everybody know that my job here, my intention here tonight is not to come into your home and and tell you that you need to parent like me and my wife. Amen. Everybody has their own styles. Everybody has their own ways. Everybody has been brought up a certain way that they learn from their mother or from their father or their aunt or their uncle. Amen. Or their grandparents. Amen. They do it a certain way. But tonight I don't want to talk about things that have been handed down to us by other people. I want to talk to us tonight about how it's been handed down to us from the Word of God. Amen. So uh, I want to reveal what the scriptures say regarding Christian parenting. Amen. And this is important because, as I said in our Sunday service, uh, that our children are our future. Amen. They're going to be our future leaders in the world. Amen. They're going to be our future leaders in the church. Amen. With the help of the Lord and of this nation. Amen. And so we want our children, we want our future Amen. To have uh, godly principles, not worldly principles, amen, but, but godly principles, amen. We need them to have godly wisdom, amen, in, in, in life and in what they do and in their careers and in their relationships, amen. And so we need our children to have these things to lead us and to guide us into the future. Can you say amen? Amen. The Bible says this in the second book of Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 the apostle Paul wrote a book to young Timothy and he told him this he says all scripture is given everything all scripture from front to back amen all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine it's profitable for reproof It's profitable for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God can be complete. God wants us to be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. And so certainly uh, this scripture would include the bringing up of our children. Amen. He wants us as parents to be complete. And so the question is asked, what is the overall goal as parents? What should be our overall goal? Amen. I know that, uh, you know, you, we have children and we, you know, that one's going to be a doctor and that one's going to be a lawyer and that one's going to be a ball player and, and that one's going to be a, a, a this or that one's going to be that. And we don't ever, uh, uh, when my kids were born and I was in my mess before I came to the Lord, I didn't say, man, my son's going to be a pimp or my son's going to be a drug addict or he's going to do this or he's, or he's going to be the best car thief or anything like that. No. In my mind, I wanted the best for my child. Can you say amen? Amen. And so the overall goal that we should have for our children is, yes, we want them to have good uh, uh, careers. We want them to to do these things, amen, that they desire to do, these good things that that they desire to do. But the overall goal 
is that our children grow in love and submission with God and with others. That should be the ultimate goal right there, that I want my child to know God. I want my child to be close to God. I want my child to be a servant of God. Yes, I want them to be successful. Yes, I want them to make a lot of money. Yes, I want those things for my child. But most importantly, I want my child to have a relationship with his creator. I want him to know that he was, he was uh, shaped in, 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 in the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the reason why we need to have this overall goal is because if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit nothing. Amen. And so if we never instill this goal in our children, then they're never going to reach that goal. They're never going to get to that goal. Now, maybe somebody else might bring them to that later on in life, but God didn't give them to somebody else. He gave them to you. And so it's our responsibility to rear our kids, to, to train up our kids in the things of the Lord. Can you say amen? The Apostle Paul said this in the first book of Corinthians. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 26. He says, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. You know what that means? He's referring to everybody being in a race. Running in a race. He's talking about the games back then in, 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 the, in, in, in Rome. He says when these people would run these races, amen, they wouldn't run aimlessly. They were running for a prize. They were running for a medal or a crown. And so he says every one of those individuals, they ran for a purpose. They ran for a reason. And so he is telling you and I that we should not run like somebody who's running aimlessly. He even says this. He says, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Have you ever seen a boxer in the boxing ring? His job is to knock out his opponent, to do what he can. To give him a little two-piece or a little three-piece or whatever it is, right? To knock him out on his back. He doesn't just go in there and start swinging with his eyes closed all crazy and everywhere and not hitting the target. And so that's how it is with you and I. Amen. That's how it is with you and I. We can't walk around with our eyes closed and blinded to everything, not thinking that we do not need God in our lives. And if we walk around like that, then our children are going to walk around like that. Amen. And so our objective as parents is to see to it that our children hit the mark. The Bible says that our children are like an arrow in a quiver. Amen. When you shoot an arrow, you don't just shoot aimlessly. You shoot to hit a target. And so when our children are older and they grow up and, and we've taught them the things of the Lord and the ways of the Lord and, and how to serve and how to submit to God, then we pull that child out of our quiver, amen, and we put them on that bow and we launch them out into the world hoping that they hit their target. Amen. Man, I'm excited. I want to preach. This is Bible study tonight. 
Amen. And so our mission is to see our children grow up to love the Lord and the things of the Lord. Our mission is to, to, to rear our children to trust Him with all of their heart, their mind, and their soul. And to see them love others. Amen. To see them love others. I was telling my wife today, I says, man, we're, we're having a, the Newman family is coming in with us today. And, and I don't know if they've ever sat in a Bible study or if they've ever done church before or, or, or if it's their first time. But I'm over here, man. I, I said, man, I, I want to send them off with, with feeling successful. I want to send them off feeling uh, empowered, right? Like Superman. I want them to, to walk out of here, you know, with their head high. And, and then I'm teaching a lesson on how to raise Raise your children. Amen. But that's needed, he said. Amen. And if you're an individual looking right now and you don't have children, take notes, record this, save it, because you're going to need it later. And you're going to want this information for you later. Amen. So let's continue to, to keep on going. Amen. Because there's always a question. I always have a question in my mind and I always write them down. I said, okay, Lord, how do we do this? Amen. How do we do it? And so the first thing that we are to do. We do it by seeking to bring our children to a genuine. Everybody say genuine. We seek to bring our children. Into a genuine conversion to Christ. Genuine. You know, I've seen a lot of people in the Lord. Over the course of the years that I've been serving the Lord, I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've, I've had friends in the Lord that I grew up with in the Lord and I served in the trenches with uh, in the Lord and, and uh, blood, sweat, and tears, amen, that aren't in the Lord anymore. That have gone on to, to, to serve the things of the world, to do the things of the world, amen. And I always wondered why. What is it about an individual, amen, that, that, uh, that leaves the things of the Lord? And this is a whole nother Bible study that we're going to get into. But I truly believe with all of my heart that it's because they didn't have a genuine conversion. You know, when the Apostle Paul came to the church, he wasn't Paul. He was Saul. And when Saul came, he was on a mission to kill Christians. He was on a mission to go in to kick somebody's door. Were you guys baptizing in Jesus' name? Whoa, whoa, what's that guy over there speaking in tongues? Come here. And they were taking him out. They were killing him. They were throwing him in jail. They were trying to put a stop, amen, to this new movement, amen, to this new Pentecostal, this new apostolic movement, amen, that was being ushered in by Jesus Christ, amen. And so he was trying to put a stop to it. And on his way, amen, to uh, put a stop to it, God revealed himself to him in a light. Amen. And right then and there, he had a true conversion, so much so that not only did he change his life, but his name was changed. You know that Jacob went from being a heel catcher, from being a liar and a deceiver to Israel, where all the 12 tribes came out of? Oh, my God, we're going to preach tonight. 
Amen. So what I'm saying is that we have to have, bring our children to have a true conversion. When you see a child that is on fire for God, oh my God, that makes me just want to run harder. That makes me just want to jump higher. That may, and I'm already a jumper and a yeller and a screamer anyways, but I want to outdo that. I want to outdo the devil. You know? And so we have to Seek to bring our children to a genuine conversion to Christ. And this is the foundation. The foundation is a genuine conversion. It's not about just inviting Jesus Christ into your heart and, 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 and I receive you. And yes, that's good. That is, uh, th- those are the first steps of salvation, of, of, of receiving and confessing and, and being forgiven. And, 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 but it doesn't stop at the water. You have to continue to keep your hand on the plow. You have to continue to move forward and you got to continue to to build a relationship with God. Amen. And so it's not just about inviting Jesus into their heart. It's not once saved, always saved. It's about teaching them to walk in the true righteousness of God. The Bible says to seek the kingdom of God first and all of his righteousness. And everything that you desire will be added on to you. And so there are certain things that we need to do with our children. Amen. We have to help and teach our children to grow in godliness. And they must learn it from you. They must learn it from you and from me. My children need to learn it from me. Your children and your children and your children and yours need to learn it from you. And too many times, amen, they're, they're wanting the, the responsibility to fall on the pastor. They're wanting the responsibility to fall on the minister or the deacon or the Sunday school classroom or, or the church. And they blame the church because their children are rebellious or they're wayward when they need to learn it from you. We only have them for a, a, two hours a week. You got them 24 hours a day. Amen. Amen. And so we have to, uh, we have to teach our children to grow in godliness and they must learn it from the parents. They must learn from you and I that sin and disobedience displeases God. That's where the church needs to get to. That's where the church needs to get to, Brother Frank. It needs to get to a place like Joseph in Potiphar's house. You know, Joseph was in Potiphar's house, amen, and when he took off, his wife was trying to get at him, and he said, no, man, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be with you. Come on, man, my husband's gone. No, 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 get away from here. As a matter of fact, she grabbed onto his coat, and he took his coat off, and he took off running, He took off running, but he didn't say, hey, I don't want to disappoint Potiphar or, or, you know, Potiphar's a nice guy and I I don't want to do that. And I don't want to disrespect Potiphar's house. He said, no, I don't want to disrespect my God. I don't want to do wrong in his sight. 
And so we need to teach our children that sin and disobedience displeases God. Amen. They need to learn it from us. They need to learn from us how to please God with every thought, every word, every deed. And we need to start now. Not tomorrow. You know, I always say, honey, don't I say all the time that on Monday I'm starting my diet. But I never say which one. Amen. I ought to... Some people are looking at me like, Pastor, yeah, that's already too many Mondays gone past. You better start it now, right? But nevertheless, this stuff that I'm talking about today that God brought to us, we need to start now. Because the the world isn't going to stop and wait. The devil's not going to stop and wait for you. You know, you can't wave a white flag at the devil. And tell him to stop. You do that, he's going to come at you harder. He's going to come at you double time. He's going to come at you triple time. So we have to get started now. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. The Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so I like the first word that it starts with. He says, train. You know, it takes discipline to train. You know, Brother Aaron, you look like you work out. Or you're just naturally fit. But if you work out to have a body like that, then it's because you're putting in some training. You're disciplining yourself. You're running and you're conditioning and you're, you're doing certain exercises and you're eating certain foods and you're not eating certain foods and you're not doing certain things, right? You're training yourself to look a certain way. You're training yourself to feel a certain way. Amen. And so it is with our children. We have to put in the time. We have to put in the effort. We have to train up our children in the way they should go. You know, I wish more people would read that and read it real slow, word for word. Because it doesn't say in the way that they have to go. It says in the way they should go. Remember, we started out, and the Bible says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Remember, I told you I'm still learning some stuff. Because I can be real stern and say, I don't care what you got going on. This is where we're going. Put all that off. Amen. But I'm starting to see, and this scripture really opened my eyes that I was going through it this morning. It just hit me when I was at home going over my notes to come here today that I highlighted train and should. I was like, oh. So the approach should have been, you should do things this way because it'll work out better for you. You should go to church with me because you're going to be blessed. Now you better. (laughs) Sorry, son. 
But the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets older, he will not depart from it. Now, that's not a guarantee because nothing's a guarantee. Somebody told me one time, Pastor, uh, somebody called me and said, man, he knows that all my kids are not in the Lord. And he said, what's up, Pastor? How come the kids are, you know, they're over there. I said, hey, man, once they become adults and they leave the house, you pray for them and you hope that they will continue on in the training. Amen. But how many of you have ever trained your children to, to hit a ball and you hope that they would go to the World Series one day or, or you shot them to shoot and you thought they were going to play in the NBA and come to find out once they left the house, they didn't want nothing to do with a bat and they didn't want nothing to do with a ball. They wanted to do something else. Amen. But the Bible says to train, teach, instruct, Tutor, educate. That's what that means. Teach your child, instruct your child, tutor your child, educate your children in the way they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart from it. And so you and I, we, we need to teach our children some things. And one of those things that we need to teach them right now in the time that we're living in is moral purity. That's just one. We're going to go through a bunch of them. Moral purity. We need to teach them about the fruits of the Spirit. We need to teach them how to deal with difficulties in the right attitude. And the attitude of joy and of thanksgiving. Remember, it was the Apostle Paul who wrote from jail. He wrote it from prison. He said, I'm content. What do you mean you're content? You're locked up in a Roman jail, in a jail. And you know, those jails weren't like the country clubs we have now with carpeted cells and TV and all kinds of stuff. Man, he was in there chained up literally like a dog. And what did he say? Hey, man, I'm content with where I'm at. People thought he must have lost his mind. But we have, to we have to teach our children to deal with difficult situations in a spirit of, of love, in a spirit of joy, in a spirit of, of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. I might be going through this, but I'm not dead. I might be down, but I'm not out. And so we need to teach our children these things. We need to teach them to serve and not be selfish. Hello, somebody. Amen. Our children's attitude should be more important to us. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 15. The Bible says this. Proverbs 22 and 15. It says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. I like that scripture. Not the rod part. Amen. The rod works too. But that's not what we're talking about right now. Don't go home and start beating your kids with a rod. Pastor said it's in the Bible. Wah, 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 wah. No. Amen. Now, I am uh, an encourager, amen, uh, of the paddle correctly. 
Not when you've lost a fuse and you're just all crazy and no. Remember, God wants us to do things decently and in order. I got to paddle you one or two times because you did this. Do you understand? You did wrong. Yes, I understand. Okay. Assume the position. Remember like in school? How many of you got paddled in school? I think they need to bring that back. I'm going to get canceled right now. But that's all right. I'm going to walk in the sufferings of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. All self-righteous. But, hey, but I think they should bring that back. And I'll be the first one to sign the paper for our child. That if he needs to get whipped, then whip him. Amen. Because things were different back when we grew up in the 70s and in the 80s. You didn't mouth off to mama or daddy. You didn't roll your eyes at grandma. Because you got it. Amen. And you know these things now where, you know, you can and woo and and all this other stuff and you're going to damage them. I came out fine. A little twitch, but amen. But no, the Bible says Proverbs 22 and 15. It says foolishness is bound up. You know what bound means? Bound up means like it's up there. Like it's it's grabbing something. It, It ain't letting go. It says foolishness is bound. It's bound up. It's attached. It's, it's holding on. When you're, when you're bound to something, that means you're not letting it go. And the Bible says that foolishness is bound up in a child's heart. And the only thing that removes that, the Bible says, is the rod of correction. That's what it says right there. The Bible don't lie. Amen. So the scripture's telling us that we don't have to teach our children to be foolish. We don't have to teach them to be self-centered. We don't have to teach them to be selfish. It's already in their nature. You know, I wish people would get the fall of, would take the fall of man serious. That at the time that Adam and Eve were created, they were in the garden and they were walking naked in the, in the garden. There was no sin. There was no nothing. There was no sickness. There was no poverty. There was no, no sin. There was no cancer. There was no diabetes. There was no arthritis. There was nothing until Satan came into the picture. And as soon as the fall of man happened, it's already naturally in us. You see, you don't have to teach a child to lie. You don't have to teach them how to steal. You take a little child through the grocery store at Walmart, they're going to grab a chocolate bar and stick it in their pocket and walk out. Not all of them. But it's just naturally in them to grab something and to walk out. Now, they don't know it's stealing. And so I think we need to take the, the fall of man seriously, parents, that, that it is a generational curse that each and every one of us are born into. 
Amen. King David said this. He says, I was shapen in iniquity. He says, as a sinner, I was conceived. And so that lets me know that we are all born sinners. All of us. And if you say you have no sin, then you're a liar. Because we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. But the Bible says the rod of correction will drive it far from them. We live in a society now where parents don't want to correct their kids. They're either afraid or they don't want to deal with confrontation or they don't want their kids to hate them because nowadays parents don't want to be parents they want to be friends you know i honored you know i was honored my son you know my dad's you know my best friend and i'm honored when he says that 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 means there's a closeness that means there's a tightness but i don't want to be my son's best friend i want to be his father I want to be his godly father. Because they're going to have friends. They're going to have them in junior high. They're going to have them in high school. They're going to have them in college. They're going to have them at the workplace. What they need are mothers and fathers that are rooted and grounded and steadfast in the things of the Lord. That's what they need today. That's what this generation needs is God. Amen. Parents don't want to correct their kids and they're hoping that if they ignore it long enough, they're hoping that it will go away on its own. No, it won't. It doesn't go away on its own. It only gets worse. You know, I had another parent told me that, that if we could just... Uh, uh, if we could just teach our children or, or uh, what our children need is, is more self-esteem. I said, what? Our children need more self-esteem. And I said, no. Do you know the definition of self-esteem? Self-esteem means confident in one's, in one's own worth or abilities a child doesn't need more self-esteem they need encouragement they need training to grow in humility and in servanthood children need to learn that their worth is in the one who created them not that the ability comes from themselves but it comes from the lord this self-esteem turns into pride And so I was like, man, no wonder why. Everybody's trying to build, build up your self-esteem. Build up your self-esteem. No, lower it. Remember the Bible says that those that exalt themselves shall be abased and those that humble themselves will be lifted up. And so it's not through our own strength. It's not through the child's own abilities. It's not through what they're doing. It's everything God is doing. Because the Bible says in Philippians 4 and 13 that I can do all things through Christ. 
who strengthens me. It doesn't say that I can do all things through myself. Or I can do all things through Aaron. Or I can do all things through Frank. Or I can do all things through Israel. No, I can do all things through him. All things. He didn't say some things. He didn't give me a list. He said, as long as you're in me, whatever you desire to do, hey, I got you. We're going to do it. That's what he says. And so this self-esteem nonsense and, and I know you got to get them grounded and rooted in the Lord. Amen. And now this portion of, of the lesson is important. It's all important. Amen. But one of the things that we need to do with our children is we need to help our children cultivate godly relationships. We need to help our children cultivate godly relationships. Our, our children need to know what biblical, not worldly, what biblical love is. Amen. Not that worldly love. Do you know that worldly love is that love where you live together for a couple years without getting married? Just to see if it works. And if it don't, I'll see you later. That's not biblical love. That's worldly love. You know, I didn't kiss my wife for the first time until we got married. And we were already old. Well, I mean, we weren't old. I was in my late 30s. Real late 30s. When we got married. And we did the whole chaperone thing, and we held hands a little here and there, but that was it. I even got made fun of one night because I didn't kiss her goodbye on, on our first date. Kissed her on the cheek, I think, huh? And I hugged her. All right, all right, sister, God bless you. <laughs> but, you know, that's just how we did things. That was our choice. Again, none of what I'm saying, my convictions are not being imposed on anybody. But I'm talking about the difference between, the, you know, showing our children the difference between worldly love and biblical love. Amen. And it's not just in those things. It's in everything. Amen. The Bible says this in the first book of Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 4, and, 4 through 7. It's called the love chapter. Amen. And it gives us a glimpse of what biblical love is in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. The Bible says this. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth, even when the truth hurts. I added that in there. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. 
That's what we need to teach our children. Amen. That that's what biblical love does. It does all that and more. Amen. First John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. The Bible says this. By this we know love. We know it because he laid down his life for you and I. And so we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Amen. And so because he gave his life for me, I got to give my life for him. I got to give my life for her. That's what love is. That's what he did. We are to, 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 uh, 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 do exactly what Christ did. We're to walk like Christ. We're to talk like Christ. We're to see like Christ. We're to act like Christ. Amen. And so it says this, but whoever has this world's as goods, whoever has possessions and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, James said it perfectly. He says, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. Amen. And so when you're truly in love with the Lord, it becomes more than just a lip service. What is inside starts to reflect on the outside. Amen. That love that's on the inside starts to reflect on the outside. That servant that Jesus was on the inside starts to reflect on the outside. Amen. And it becomes more than just Lord, Lord. Because remember, not everybody that says Lord, Lord is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh man, we're, we're preaching tonight. We're going to do an altar call. Amen. And so it becomes more than just lip service. When our children begin to have their own genuine relationship with God, the fruits will show. And that goes for the parents too. Not just the children, that they're looking to you. My children are looking to me. Even as adults, as they're married, they're still, you know, today's my son's birthday. My son Larry, our son Larry, the fourth, today's his, his 29th birthday. And he still looks to us as the example. And so we're obligated to show them what serving the Lord looks like. We're obligated to, to showing them what, what being a Christian looks like. And I'm not talking about denomination. and I'm talking about being like Christ. That's what being a Christian is. Being Christ-like. Amen. And so some things that children need to learn that we need to teach them. Amen. They need to learn how to resolve conflict conflicts God's way not the way the world does it not through arguing not through fighting not through social media amen not through through spreading hate they need to learn God's way of resolution you know that there are some parents that put all their dirty laundry on social media that's another teaching but if we're doing it, 
And our kids are on Facebook, and they read what mama put or what daddy just said about so-and-so, then guess what they're going to do? They're going to do the same thing. And so we need to teach our kids that conflict resolution is not done openly, publicly, through social media platforms, all that stuff. We need to teach them that because social media is taking over the bedroom. Social media is taking over the home. You know, everywhere you go, you sit at the table and what do you see? You go in the living room and what do you see? Oh, we're going to watch a movie. They don't even watch it. And they're sitting right next to each other, sending each other gifts. <laughs> and they're right there. I know I sent it to you. Amen. But we need to learn how to resolve conflict God's way. Amen. And I'm not saying cell phones are the devil and they're bad and nobody. I'm just saying they need to be regulated. They, we need to teach our kids to prioritize what's more important and how to deal with certain things. Kids are learning how to deal with things through social media, through television. Amen. And so we have to be on that. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12 says this. He says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I know that's a whole lot right there. There's a whole lot that's packed in right there. Amen. But what the Apostle Peter is telling us is that we need to learn. You know, we're quick to, to repay evil for evil. Oh, no, she didn't. He said, what? And right away, we want to go and take care of things like, like we were in the world again, kicking in doors and meeting people at the workplace and, 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 and shooting this text message and making this phone call and shooting this email. and doing all. No, God says no. You know what a pastor told me one day? He says, brother, the greatest thing you can do to your enemy is kill him with kindness. You know, when I know somebody don't like me or they've been talking about me, you know what I do? I go up and I shake their hand. I give them a big old hug. Praise the Lord, brother. How you doing? Man, it's good to see you and your family. Man, let's get together for lunch. And I don't do it on purpose to poke. But that's just how I am. Why? I don't. It takes work to hate people. I don't got time for that. It takes time. It takes work to be mad. Amen. And so we have to teach these things to our children. Amen. We got to hurry. Amen. So we need to learn how to resolve conflicts God's way. We need to teach our children that. We need to teach our children to learn how to choose their friends. We need to teach them 
how to choose their friends. And we need to have a backbone that if it's not a good friend, you're not hanging out with them. And that's all there is to it. We want them to have friends that will encourage them to do the right thing. That are going to be a positive influence on them. Not the ones that are going to drag them down or drag them into the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 through 18. The Bible says not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion does light have with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. He says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now that's a whole lot. But God is telling us we got to teach our children. Now don't get me wrong, and you don't go and, and start, well, pastor said I can't hang out with my family that aren't in the Lord. and, and I, That's not what I'm saying. As a matter of fact, I want you to go to your unsafe family and win them over. <laughs> Amen. Win them over. But when two people are not serving the Lord, that's why it says unequally yoked. Do you know what that means? Back in the in, in Old Testament times, the 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 reason why it's it's a farm thing, amen. It's a an agricultural thing. It's a a, a farming thing where where they they the two bulls. There would be two bulls, and they would yoke them with this this thing, and they would yoke them around their thing, and they they would pull the plow behind them, and 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 make the line for them to to plant their seed. And sometimes the the farmers wouldn't have two bulls, so what they would do is they would yoke a bull and a donkey together. And the donkey don't know what's going on. The donkey's a, a donkey, right? They're like the dumbest animals. And so now you got the bull doing its job and it's pulling this donkey like this. And the donkey's trying to get away and, and to go do other stuff and it's not doing what it was meant to do or what it was hooked up to do. And so that's what it's saying, that, that if you're in the Lord and, and you go out there and you yoke yourself with an unbeliever, it's going to be hard. You're either going to pull them or they're going to pull you. And so we have to be very careful with our children. We want them to have like-minded friends so that they don't have to worry about being pulled that way or being pulled that way. They're both, the Bible says, can two people walk together if they don't agree? No. If I don't agree with you, brother, I ain't going to walk down the street with you. We're going to be fighting the whole time. And so that's what it means right there to be unequally yoked together. Amen. 
And so we need to teach our kids how to choose their friends. We need to teach our kids to learn how to minister to other kids, to evangelize, invite them to church activities, invite them to church. Amen. We have to train our children in life's responsibilities. Listen, church, life responsibilities. Our children need skills to be able to function as adults because they eventually got to move on. They got to go. Amen. And so it's our responsibility to send them off with certain skills, domestic duties, cooking, cleaning, laundry, washing dishes, vacuuming, mopping, dusting, shopping. We need to teach our kids these things so that when they leave, they're not living on cup of noodles and sandwiches. I love cup of noodles and sandwiches though. And Hot Pockets, I love those things. But I won't live on them. I love my wife's cooking. I love it. But I'm sure she learned from her mom. And her mom learned from her grandma. Because one day you're going to go. You're going to fly the coop and you're going to be married. And you're going to be somebody's wife. And you're going to have to take care of the home. Amen. And so we have to teach our kids these things. We need to teach our children proper hygiene. We don't want Billy running around all stinky. Amen. Showers, brushing their teeth, combing their hair, deodorant, nutrition, rest, exercise. Amen. We need to teach them how to learn to drive a car. It's going to give them some independence. We can't be driving Miss Daisy all over the place. Amen. We need to teach them basic car maintenance. When to do an oil change, check their tires. Don't wait until your tires leave you on the side of the road. We need to teach our kids this. Tags, insurance, car payment. They need to learn. We need to teach them how to respect possessions and property. You know, our children, they don't take care of stuff because they don't pay for it. But once they start paying for it, you drop it. Hey, what are you doing? I paid a hundred bucks for that. I had to work some overtime. Now you know how it feels. Amen. And so we need to teach them that money does not grow on trees. You know, when my, when our, our son, Alex, who just graduated from the eighth grade, when he was younger, I would pick him up from school. And one day I picked him up and you know, Burger King, you know what Burger King did? They put a a Burger King, right, right on the school parking lot. Right on the school parking lot, brother. Burger King. Every day, can we get a burger? Can we get some fries? Are we going to stop at Burger King? And one day I told him, I don't have no money for that. He goes, use one of those cards. <laughs> and I said, my card don't got no money. And he said, mom's, mom's card always has money. Always got money. You see, we need to teach our kids that money does not grow on trees. Our kids need to hashtag this somebody. They need to learn to earn. Amen. 
They need to learn to earn. We had some kids come over here to the church last year or year before last, and they wanted to go to the fair, the parade, or that thing. Remember that? The festival, the carnival, and they wanted money. I says, I'll give you some money, but you got to clean all the windows around the church. You know what they did? They grabbed some buckets, and they grabbed some spray, and they, they were all right there cleaning, but they earned it. So I blessed them with a little more than what I told them I was going to give them. So we need to teach our kids to learn to earn. They need to learn how to spend. They need to learn how to give. They need to learn how to budget. Amen. And before they move out, before they move out, they need to learn about good credit and bad credit. They need to learn about good credit and bad credit. They need to learn about bank accounts, debt, and they need to know who the IRS is. Amen. My son's in the back shaking his head. They need to learn who the IRS is. Amen. They need to learn how to manage their time, their schoolwork. And if you don't have them in public school for whatever reason... Put them in Christian school. And if you don't want them in Christian school for whatever reason, and you're homeschooling, then it's your responsibility to teach them to read and to teach them to write. They need to know about chores. They need to know about outside activities. And they need to learn, they need to know about church and church activities. Say, man, pastor, that's a lot to teach. Yes, it is. That's why we got to start now. We got to get started today. There's no time to waste. Amen. We need to raise up this next generation to be godly leaders, to be leaders in society, to be leaders in the workplace, to be leaders in the home, and to be leaders in the church. Amen. But some are saying, pastor, that's easier said than done. My child is lazy. They don't listen to me. They don't want to come out of the room. They don't want to do chores. They don't want to go to church. Don't want to go to school. He's 40 years old and he's still sleeping on my couch. <laughs> my advice to you today is be consistent. Don't give in. You're the parent. You're the adult. And children need to be taught to submit to the authority in the home. No ifs, ands, or buts. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and close tonight with this. You know, I was reading in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 21 how they got down back in the Old Testament. You know, when there was a wayward child or a rebellious child, you know what they would do? The parents would go to the elders of the city and they would tell the elders of the city, hey, my child is rebellious. My child is not listening in the home, talking back to his mom and disrespecting his father. And the Bible says that they would grab this child and they would take him to the edge of the city. Read it. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 21. I'm not making this up. The Bible says that they would grab this child and they would take him out to the edge of the city. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the child was a drunkard or 
the child was rebellious. They took him out to the city and the Bible says that they stoned that child. Aaron's looking at me angry right now. Man, they stoned that kid. Deuteronomy chapter 21 says that they would take rebellious children and stone them. Our children need to thank the good Lord that we're not living in Old Testament times. But parents, don't spare the rod. Now, I'm not saying to go home and start hitting on your 17-year-old daughter or son. It's not what I'm saying. There's an age where you got to stop doing that. But what I'm saying is that you are the parent in your house. You are the adult. When you say stand, they stand. When you say sit, they sit. When you say jump, they say how high. Now, I know we don't have no military parents and we're not going to, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that parents need to be consistent with what they're doing. Otherwise, the children will run all over them. Take away cell phones. Take away internet privileges. Don't let them play on the football team. Take away their privacy. That's a big one right there for teenagers. You know, there was a time where one of our children in the house, amen, wouldn't, didn't want to, didn't want to listen. And I didn't say nothing. I came home and I heard all the ruckus and my wife was being disrespected and I went straight to that room and my wife saw me walk in and I had my hammer and my, my Philip, my flathead screwdriver and I started to tapped the pins off the hinges of the door took all three of them off I grabbed that door and I walked away with it where are you going where are you taking my door I didn't say nothing I took that door and I put it in the garage where am I going to change I said there's a bathroom right there you take away their privacy and they'll turn fast you got to be consistent it worked I did it to several other of the kids too it works Children should not be rewarded for rebellious behavior. They get suspended from school and we put them on the basketball team. Or they get suspended from school and we take them to the movies. If you allow this stuff to happen, they will grow up to be rebellious, spoiled brats. And they will disrespect you. In private and in public. So brothers and sisters, more is caught than taught. Be the example. Be that godly parent. But I want to leave you with this very important point. Something that I'm still learning today late in the game of parenting. We don't have it all figured out, church. We're not professional parents. But I want to say this to somebody who's listening. 
Remember in the beginning, the scripture said, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. And so we have to learn to major in the majors. And what I mean by that is don't get hung up with the petty legalistic issues to where you miss the heart of things. I would be more worried about who they're hanging out with than what they're wearing. Now, don't get me wrong. If, you know, your daughter is dressed in a little sensual, then obviously you have to address it. Whatever you allow in your house. Amen. But a lot of times we get so caught up on the outward and we miss what's going on in the inward. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We appreciate you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this teaching, Lord. We thank you for these tools that you give us, Lord. We desire nothing more, Lord Jesus, than to be godly parents in this ungodly world. Father, and I pray a blessing upon every parent, Father, in this place and online that is watching, that you would help them to put these tools into practice, Father God, that they would raise up godly children, that they would raise up a godly future for our society and for our church. Father, and I pray that you just continue to protect our children, Lord, guard their hearts, and we will give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name.